Oh, hello and welcome again to the Footy Dictionary massive episode we've got lined up today. We're on the edge of the big milestone episode 10. Hamish, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, very good. You need to trademark that oh hello at the start of every episode because it's, uh, it's very persistent and I love it. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, we've got a very, very special guest to talk through her things about football, as always. But first, uh, we're doing a bit of a women's footy theme today. I've got a little tribunal hearing that I've got to run by, a little adjudication. Hamish, so I was having a look at the uh, ESPN footy podcast that had their AFLW podcast this week. And I think we all know, we are just talking about off-air, the Richmond-North Melbourne uh, stadium (laughs) fiasco. Um, And what they've rolled with in the description of this ESPN footy podcast is the saga surrounding Richmond's fixture against the Kangaroos. Hamish, does this count as a saga? Well, how long can a saga be? I guess that's the question because it's a... What, it's been a debate that's been raging for how many days? Four, five days? Something like that. Could you call that a saga? Is it my gripe with it is that it hasn't really had any twists or turns, right? It's just been they put it at Punt Road and that, that was the end of it. Nothing's changed then. Has it, Sarah Black? It's just... No, is it's it a still saga? Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> I, I think what you'll find is that, you know, a little tip of the trade um a saga depends on what else is happening in the footy landscape so it's pretty quiet on the news front okay hence this is a saga but hey, are we going to accept that though are we just going to let that fly because oh, i personally don't think it should count as a saga you've got to be careful with your use of footy <laughs> language here, probably probably but uh i think when it comes to clicks um yeah unfortunately sometimes hyperbole wins so on your afl.com.au articles, would you be happy to roll with that? What would I describe? I think I'd describe it as a talking point. A talking point. I think that's that's the uh, the term I'd use. Okay. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, def- I like it more than saga, for sure. <laughs> but um, women's footy, I said we are going to go a bit of a women's footy theme today. So have you got any kind of favourite words that are thrown about or little gripes uh, in the language of that's exclusive to women's footy? Yeah, so I've been covering AFLW for seven seasons now, all seven seasons, um, and this has really, really annoyed me from day dot. Is And it's incredibly well-meaning. Let me preface it by saying that. It's very well-meaning. But the amount of people who have said to me over that time, gee, the girls crack in hard, don't they? And it's like, <laughs> I, I just don't know what you expected. Like, like, did you expect people to just sort of be dancing around, like not wanting to go near each other? Or, um, Yeah, I, I think that that has really annoyed me from day dot. And I've also got a theory in that it's um, it, the supposed aggression and, and heavy contact is exacerbated by ponytails. I reckon it makes it look five times worse. Uh, so, <laughs> interesting theory, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These people who throw about, gee, the girls cracking hard, don't they? What kind of people are they? Are they people who are like new to AFLW or? Yeah, they're generally like, very heavy footy fans. Yeah. Um, middle-aged men, generally, um, who have no knowledge about women's footy. Which, let's be honest, I didn't either coming into AFLW, um, and they they just they've caught it on TV. They've caught five minutes of it. Um, and and they're, they're, as I said, they're trying to be well-meaning and they're, they're supportive of the idea of women's footy, but they're just a little bit taken aback that women can be aggressive when they play a contact sport. Okay. And we were talking about with Peter Ryan on the show <laughs> last week how the language used in commentary and analysis tends to be a bit gentler for AFLW. Are you a fan of that or does it come across as patronising or do we need to kind of wait to use harsher language till uh, – 
the skills have developed a lot more in 5, 10, 20 years' time, however long it may be? I think context matters. Um, so I, I think um, teams that are the much more established in Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, I think, you know, you can be a little bit more I tend to find that I'm a little bit harsher with those sides if they're not up to scratch, Um, whereas, you know, a a Hawthorne or a Port Adelaide who had literally seven weeks of pre-season, like they they had to build their list in seven weeks and do a pre-season and then they had to play AFLW against teams who have been around for seven years, Um, you know, then I think we do have to still be a little bit more gentler just because, you know, just context matters. Mm. I agree with that, Hamish. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fully on board with that as well. (laughs) Um, no, you I was just going to say, you had a bit of a gripe with the the middle-aged men and, and their thing. <laughs> That's a generalisation, I it should is. say. No, yeah. I, well, I'm, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, but I did note that you do have a podcast named Credit to the Girls. Do you believe that this is probably on the same level of, of quotes that get bandied about in terms of the AFLW? Do you reckon Credit to the Girls is overused? I'm, I'm assuming that's... Yeah, that's it's why. it's yeah, definitely yeah. like yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a bit cheek. of a tongue in cheek, yeah. exactly. And at the time, so that podcast has been going since day dot. I do it with Lucy Watkin. Um, that's been going since day dot of AFLW. Um, and at the time, we thought it was a really funny take on, <laughs> you know, the fact that like credit to the boys is such a cliche. It's rolled out in post match presses. And we're like, hey, girls play now too. So credit to the girls. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, I reckon it's time to get into your things about football, which is what you're primarily here in the studio for. So we're doing things a bit differently from here on in. We're uh, lowering the amount of hate because we're all about the positive vibes and upping the amount of loves of Aussie rules football. But we were originally thinking four loves, one hate. Because the ones you pitched to us were so good, Sarah, we've gone with four loves and two hates. So do you want to kick things off with your first love of football? Yeah, so this one is sort of inspired by the games on the weekend, but the roar of the crowd immediately after the national anthem. It's not an overly patriotic thing or anything like that. You know, I can take and leave the national anthem. But for me, it signifies that the footy is about to start and this is footy that's incredibly important, not you know, incredibly important in the context of the season, not, you know, in the context of life. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So I think... This national anthem can of worms. We've opened it a few times, Hamish, on the show. We have previously. Yes. What makes the ideal national anthem? Um, if you're aiming for maximum roar coming after this national anthem, is it like I remember Delta Goodrum? We've spoken about the podcast. Yeah, I think it was uh, Melbourne, uh, Brisbane, the Melbourne, Brisbane. Yeah, Melbourne, Brisbane semi final. That one was acoustic guitar, and her it was a bit soft and mellow. I don't think it made for a great roar. So do you want a real gusto belting version of the national anthem? Is that your ideal rendition? Um, I think if you can pull off an a cappella version and it has that, that just that second of silence and then the crowd kicks in with the roar afterwards, I think that's the ideal version. That's me being very musical, I know. Um, <laughs> But look, I grew up on the Julie Andrews, um, mm. Julie Anthony, sorry, not Julie Andrews, um, <laughs> rendition, the recorded rendition, which is obviously out of date now. The words have been changed. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's the one that sort of, I think it was because I'm a Richmond supporter and for so long Richmond didn't feature in finals that for me that sort of felt like a step above. You sort of like, yeah, this means something. What about the uh, the dummy in version? Do you remember that one? I think it was from maybe it was a Richmond Grand Final. Yeah. It was Richmond Adelaide, wasn't it? Were you at that Richmond Adelaide? Oh God, I've completely wiped that from my memory. Oh. oh my God, I had no no recollection of it whatsoever. I was look to be perfectly honest with you, that Grand Final. 
I hadn't been diagnosed with anxiety at that point, but I was definitely having a low-key panic attack throughout that whole grand final in hindsight. So that particular rendition of the grand final, no memory of it whatsoever. I I actually probably can't even remember it myself. I just remember it being good. (laughs) Um, I remember talking about it afterwards and thinking dummy was good. But just on the – you said there's a second of silence before the roar. (laughs) I I think the best version is when you get the music crescendo at the end and the roar – slowly builds sort of towards the end of the lyrics and then it as starts the music, cutting across yeah, yeah. I, I, just going slightly against you there but Harper, i'd like to hear your take would you prefer a second of silence or does it need to build for you i think it needs to build i i agree with you there um but there was one it might have been who did brisbane play in the finals just this past week uh in I the think, girls uh, richmond. yeah yeah brisbane richmond and it was very strange. Well, there was a small crowd, so there wasn't much of a roar, but it was sung very out of time with the backing track. And even if there was a big crowd there, the roar just would not have been blowing any roofs off. Was there a live singer or was... Yeah, there was a, there was a live singer, but it was can just... We, can we name and chat? <laughs> do we not know the... I don't know the name, but I don't, I don't want to add it like that. She no, really added it in front not. of our massive audience. So. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> She'll get word of it and uh, come back to us. So probably not the best idea. <laughs> just just on the, the whole idea of the national anthem and the grand and the finals. So the first final I went to is 2015, um, Richmond-North Melbourne elimination final. And... I, because obviously Richmond had barely played finals mm-hmm. up until that point. Um, and I remember, you know, they're like, oh, stand for the national anthem. And I just heard this thwack, 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 thwack. And I was like, what on earth is going on? Like, I was looking, there's 95,000 people on the ground. And I realised it was the plastic, um, the, the plastic seats all oh. coming back up and hitting, yep. hitting the, the top of the seat. And I'd never been in a crowd that big before. And for some reason that, you know, that's seven, eight years ago and that has stood out in my memory as being, <laughs> that's a big moment. Mm. I like that. The whack <laughs> of the seats as yeah, people yeah. rise for the National Anthem. It's so footy to We should be talking about that more. <laughs> I think that's a, that's pretty nice. Like, yeah. And you don't get to experience that very often, but it does happen and then you just get everyone slowly rising. Yeah. That's mm. nice. There I are, like it. Is it Icon Park, Princess Park, that doesn't have seats that fold up? Or I know there are some grounds which just have the plastic seats which don't fold. They don't fold. move. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't been to too many games at Icon as a fan. I'm generally yeah. working. Yeah. Well, it's something to look into for Ooh. sure, something to investigate. Look into that. Maybe talk about it in the next episode. Absolutely. Yeah, because it is one of the great sounds of footy. It is underrepresented. <laughs> Sarah, should we move on to your second love of yes. football? What is it? My second love. Um this is very uh, on-field focused. Um, it's a perfectly timed crumb and goal. So few elements of play here as to why I love this. I'm really short. I'm five foot tall. So I have a natural affinity for small forwards. I've grown up watching one of who I reckon is one of the best underrated small forwards going around in Shane Edwards. And I've never seen someone with such clean timing. Um, so, you know, the ball just it manages to just drift over the back of the pack and, you know, whoever it is doesn't have to break stride. They've timed their runs so beautifully. Um, and I just think, you know, from the athletic side of, of watching the game um, and also the elements that 
footy doesn't have to be for the big guys. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's always a really a moment that I love in a game. Have you got a prime example that springs to mind? Specific example? Particular goal that you can think of? Not really. No, sorry. Um, there's been a few. <laughs> I'm not very good with specific moments like that. I was listening to you with Pete Ryan and you're yeah, asking really like – this moment in this game, this moment in that game, I, I tend to tune them Watch out a little the bit. Memories, yeah. yeah, as a Richmond fan, you'd probably have too many to pick from because mm. they've had of late, a fleet of, late, of yeah. small forwards over there. They played with one key forward throughout their premiership years, and yeah. that seemed to work pretty well. So you've probably had about seven <laughs> or eight goals to pick well, from. I don't know if it was a crumb and goal, but it was a great goal from the boundary line, kind of on the run, like right on the edge of the boundary. Daniel Rioli against West Coast. I think it was the first premiership year, 2017. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Was that, a, was that a goal of the year winner? There Might was one he, he nomination dodged around for sure. a little bit. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. A bit of fancy footwork there. Yeah. Um, Hamish and I were talking, uh, I think it might have been last night, about uh, you were speaking about not breaking stride as you crumb and kick a goal. Yes. And then you continue to run and not break stride and you run to the bench and your fists are pumping and it's a beautiful thing, Hamish. Well, yes, I was actually, this is slightly off topic, but this is one of my leash niche loves that I was discussing with Harper last night. It's got to be done in a very specific way, but this would work well with your crummy goal. It would. It is when a player <laughs> runs to the bench after they've kicked a goal, but it is done in such a fluid motion that it's like they knew they had to go to the bench, yep. but they've kicked the goal and run straight there. Mm. So my example was Jordan Degoe's first goal in the 2018 grand final. <laughs> where he ducked and weaved two blokes. And then the TV camera shot to him um, high-fiving one of his teammates on the run and then you could just see him bolting to the bench. When done well, I know all the boomers hate it, but when done well, there is nothing better than when someone kicks a goal from 50 and they do a 180 arc around, maybe give a right-hand fist pump to the boundary, get a couple of high-fives and then turn to the bench. It's no sharp turns. It's so smooth. No, it's, like it's got to be smooth. As, it's got to be fluid, smooth it's, as butter. It's like they're attached to a compass. They're just really rounded, a perfect circle, perfect curve. Exactly. Oh. Well, yeah, thinking back to your 10 mats, perfect parabola. Exactly yeah. right. Well, <laughs> that's my question to you because yeah. you love a perfectly timed crumb and goal. Are you a fan of this if they keep running to the bench or are you one of those people that say – if you've kicked a goal, you stay on the field at all costs. Uh, I think initially I was a bit like that, more more so like if someone's on a roll who's kicked like, you know, two or three goals in a row, like, you know, why are you bringing them off? And then I started playing footy and I'm like, yeah, no, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> like take every rest you can. Um, just and it would be a good feeling kicking a goal. Oh. goal I haven't played footy for ages, but... Kicking a goal, going to the bench, and then getting the slaps on the yeah. back yeah. from everyone. And, and I think I think the players who do it best, like like, there's a little bit of low key arrogance about it that yeah. I love mm. because you don't you don't over celebrate. You just you accept the high fives. You don't search exactly. for them, mm. and you just as you said, you make that natural arc to mm. the bench. Um, and it's a- just like accepting yeah. the high fives. You're accepting as you it, run. and just like yeah, yeah I'm so professional. Yeah. I'm on this. I'm going straight to the bench, like yeah. I've been told. And yeah, yeah, I just kicked a good goal. What of it? Maybe you don't quite go full out, full pelt to the bench. No. You're not sprinting 100. percent There's a bit of a chest because out about it. There's too. a bit of a it's chest a stride, out. Like People it. are coming yeah. towards you to give you oh, oh yeah. on your Sarah, on your Hamish, and yeah, it's so fluid and so beautiful. But just to clarify, if you've kicked a goal and you've stopped, and then someone's called you to the bench. No, that's unacceptable. You stay on the ground at all costs. <laughs> yeah. Because it just doesn't have the same 
the same. Don't worry yeah. about rotations or no. throwing things out. It's clunky. Or, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's clunky. It is very clunky. You, can, you can't <laughs> kick a goal, turn around, start walking back to the goal square, and then the runner's giving you a tap on the shoulder to come off, and then you go off. It just doesn't have the same same poetry to it, does it? Mm, no, it, it absolutely does not. But I reckon, look, we've squeezed a lot of juice out of that one. Maybe it's time to move on to your first hate. Sarah, Ooh, first hate. get All right, fired up for us. This phrase does my head in. Um, he's been doing it all day, but it's only when it's said in the first 30 seconds. There's always that one person who thinks they are, they are like, you know, international comedy festival level of comedian <laughs> by wheeling that one out in the first 30 seconds in the crowd. And it's just there's someone who does it every single game. Like I think, you know, the beauty of a joke is its rarity and, and it's just it's overplayed, it's old, it's lame, it's not funny. Ooh. Where, where best do you sit? Because obviously you, you work in the in the media <laughs> section. Do you say you're at the G? Are you sitting in the media boxes or I, only two? if I'm actively covering a game? Yeah. If but I'm ha- there as a fan, I'm sitting level four of the G. And right. how often are you going to level four as a fan? Uh, once every couple of weeks. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, so, so I was thinking. I, I think you're mixing me up with sort of some of the highest yeah, standards. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, also it's hard. Like you know, some people work across work at least three games a weekend. Like mm. that doesn't. By that point, you're sort of getting a little bit sick of footy. Never. Actually, never. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's also because we're in. We're halfway through November, and I started covering games on like the seventh of January or something this year. Yeah. Along yeah. that's probably <laughs> three true. seasons of footy. Yeah. I was picturing you in a media box. No, and then, no, no, no. I don't know, Jared Wade. Jared was saying that. That's springing up and saying that. I'm like, surely not. No, the press box no. is usually pretty quiet. Actually, yeah, I can um, imagine. Do any gags get wheeled out in the press oh, yeah, box yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But Are they, again, like, it's, it's about timing. Common ones that get kind of wheeled out. Yeah. On repeat? It's a class clown of the... the <laughs> class clown of the... Um, it's all about the timing and context, really. I, I can't, as I said, I'm not very good with specific examples, mm. which probably go flies against this podcast. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, it's it's more, yeah. Well, I, I'm an Essen fan. I sit in an uh, Essen members area and it's a lot of old ladies. Yep. Um, I don't Who get, can sometimes be the worst. Well, I don't, I don't hear he's been doing it all day that much, really. Like, uh, definitely not every week, maybe three or four times a season. And I, I think if a gag gets wheeled out in the Essendon members area with um, yeah, 70-year-old ladies who you don't expect jokes from, like almost anything they say is going to have a laugh at it. It's like a joke in a press conference mm. from a coach because you're not expecting yeah. humour and it comes and it's sudden and you're not expecting Well, it. if you're sitting yeah, in the Essendon... If you're sitting in the Essendon Essendon, it's not going to be very jovial, is it? um, What about, for instance, let me think of one off the top of my head. Um, What about should have gone to Specsavers? Is that that in your list of things to never say again? I don't mind it. Again, it's all about... the rarity of a joke. Mm. Don't don't overuse it. Don't go to that well too many times. I don't mind sitting next in the vicinity of like, you know, someone who's appointed themselves to the joke stuff for the game, um, but they have to be funny. If they're not okay. funny, if they're doing it too much, it then it starts to really grate on me. Do you reckon they have to sort of crack it open, make one small joke, see if it gets a few laughs, yeah. gauge the interest of the fans around them, yeah. and then if, you know, you get a few laughs, you might have the permission to go ahead 
and be the, the mm. jokester of section <laughs> M14. Yeah. <laughs> level four. Definitely. And sometimes it's not even the person, like, yelling it out. Like, it can just be someone just sitting behind you making a, a quiet comment to their mate next to them. One of the best I heard was, um, again, very – this is very specific, but it was, again, Richmond Port Adelaide earlier this year in the men's, um, and it was just around federal election time. And they said something about the person sitting behind me said something about a teal wave. They're like, like, because Port Adelaide were coming with a rush or something, and they're like, "Oh, teal waves done it again." <laughs> and it was just so specific um, and so niche that, the, that yeah, the independence of, of kick four goals yeah. in the last quarter, <laughs> get on a run. These bloody teals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. But um, the kind of bordering on abusive umpire jokes directed towards yeah. the umpires. Do they fly with you? No. Or never? No. I'm, uh, again, personal context, like I Even your up- mum doesn't love you is a classic. That, that's, well, I, I'm not a big fan of yeah, him, but that gets yeah. wheeled out a lot. Uh, Typical cheap shots from Essence supporters yeah. in the <laughs> once again. I, I think it's because I grew up umpiring netball. Oh, okay. different Different sport to footy, obviously, um, but you do have – um, so at least footy, you're a little bit more protected if you're a field umpire because you're in the middle of the ground. Netball, you're on the sideline and you've got the parents right behind you. So you can hear all the, you know, snide remarks the entire time you're umpiring. So I'm a little bit more protective of umpires. I think the worst one I had was when I was at a game that Eleni Gliftus was umpiring and it became quite gendered in, okay. its, in the abuse and, and quite sort of like I felt quite uncomfortable sitting there. Mm. Um, and I reckon Eleni cops it because, you know, there's 70% of the umpires running around have got brown hair they're in their 30s. Yeah. They're completely indistinguishable from each other. But because Ellen is the one girl, you yeah. remember everything. You do. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Except for number 24. You're talking about the snide remarks that you cop from fans as, as a netball umpire yeah. back in your heyday of um, netball umpiring. Oh, yeah. um, but do you dish it out at all to the players? Like if they say, oh, that, that was never uh, – what's a nipple? I don't contact. know. That, that was never yeah, contact. It wasn't, it wasn't contact. <laughs> the um, nipple experts in the room. But do you ever dish it back out towards the players? Or the, well, I guess not the fans. Oh, not really. I, it would more be you, you, I'd channel my inner t- – like both my parents are teachers. I'd channel that inner. Okay. You know, Zen. that's enough. Mm. Sort of like, you know, you, you put on your strict voice. Well, I'm sure will end up being my mum voice down the track. <laughs> um, and – I think on a few occasions I did go, look, you're more than welcome to umpire yourself. I think but that was I, that would be when I was pushed right to the limit. You didn't happen <laughs> to umpire a mixed netball game at 9.40pm <laughs> no, on Monday No, I avoid no. mixed netball. Nah. Probably for, yeah. for good reason. I love um, playing love playing mixed netty. It's a completely different game to just the girls, but, uh, yeah, avoid umpiring. Yeah, it. it's probably, yeah. probably fair <laughs> shout, especially after the incidents of Monday, which I will not... Delve into for legal reasons. <laughs> there is a podcast. Are, are you not welcome back anymore? Or? No, not me. I'll, well, I won't go into details. Right. But, uh, there's another just, podcast where you could listen about yes, stories. So, yeah. There's a couple of yeah. certain types hanging around the, won't say what area, <laughs> uh, were verbally assaulting um, yours truly. But that's fine. We, we live in with yeah. <laughs> That's not... The conversation for the footy dictionary. No. I think we should move on to your it's next. It's gloomy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's very gloomy. Your Sorry, next guys. love. Yeah, let's bring it back up well again. Hosted. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. I thought I'd take over <laughs> for a hot second. Um, so this was really reinforced to me during COVID. I moved to what was a twenty-minute walk from the MCG, mm. and then lockdown happened three months later. 
So I, the, and during that time, there was only cricket at the G. So all this, not I had all these brands. Well, I know I do like cricket, but you know, it's it's, it's not, not it's not on all the time. Yeah. But not the cricket dictionary at the MCG. Yeah. That's, that's no. a reason for very, very true. Um, very true. Yeah, so always had all these grand plans about oh, I can just waltz up to the MCG and clearly didn't happen for two years. Um, but I have always loved the walk from Richmond Station to the MCG. So if you're not from Melbourne, there's sort of three stations you can get to um, to the MCG. You can go Flinders, you can go Jollymont. I'm from the outer eastern suburbs, um, so it was Richmond Station for me. And I think it's just... The game hasn't, well, it's saying the obvious, the game hasn't been played yet and it's just hope. That's all there is. There is just hope in the air and that's essentially what sport is. You come into it hoping for, you know, anything. Anything can happen. Well, I'm a Jollymont man myself. <laughs> Harper, how do you get I'm to I'm a Flinders man. You're a Flinders man. Yep. Um, oh, William Barrett-Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> when you uh, sent the Flinders scene, is a bit more of a hike. But it's yeah, good because it you is, can take in that pre-game hope. And yeah. especially on a sunny day, I used to love it when – I'm not sure if you've done this walk from Flinders to the G before, um, but I think it stopped maybe three years ago before COVID. The Federation bells, um, do you know what I'm talking about? On the Yarra, those big tall bell things? Oh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Um, they used to play pre-game the song of each team. Oh, they do. I, I they don't they, do it anymore. They don't do it and anymore. And then after the game, the song of the winning team. And uh, – Mr. Pessinger, uh, my father actually wrote the Essendon one of that. So really? we will always do the walk to Flinders um, and pass by those bells. And it was, a, it was a great feeling. But they got rid of them. Well, if that doesn't get you off the couch, <laughs> nothing will. But I swear they, they still run. Maybe, maybe not the actual specific theme songs, but they do chime up, I reckon, every time I walk past them. It's just um, miscellaneous music. Noises. Yeah. Miscellaneous. yeah. <laughs> um, well, when you sent this in, I was very interested to know whether. Well, I come from Jollymont every time, but I'm I'm a big Flinders Walkman, like Harper. Yeah, great. Mind. Would you do you reckon there's a bit of competition there between the walk from Flinders Station compared to the walk <laughs> from Richmond Station? Because I would go to town that the walk from Flinders mm. is a nicer walk than the Richmond yeah. Station. Could you? Perhaps agree on I'm this. I'm pretty set in that view with you. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've only ever really done the Flinders one. Again, it depends on what side of Melbourne you're coming from. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I haven't done the Flinders one too many times. It is a nice walk, definitely. Um, it's oh, look, it's a smidge too long for my liking. Mm. I just want to just want to get there, what's, get to the ground. What's your limit? Like, if if um, there was a train station nearby, like another train station, it was 20 minutes away from the ground. Would you do that? And well, like you didn't yeah, have the well, that's when I was when I was living um, down the road. Um, that was twenty minute walk. Okay, and up Hunt Road, and that that's was acceptable. That was, yeah. That's acceptable. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Twenty. Yeah. I can also walk from Flinders. Oh, well, look, it would probably be less. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I, I just feel like the Richmond ones Google in the time. in the middle. <laughs> so Jollymont's short. Yeah, and but I think also the fact that Punt Road Oval is just there too. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you do have sometimes there's a VFL game or VFLW, um, so it's a bit more of that atmosphere. Yep. And also, a lot of it's just tradition. What works? What yes. What is your tradition? And my mm. tradition is going right. to the game with my dad on the train. We get off. You walk past all the people selling footy records. We go, do we get one? <laughs> mm, probably not. We keep walking, and then on the way home, it's we come out of the stadium and we get hot jam donuts, and we walk back down to the station. I like it. Well, for me, it's a more of a walk from Flinders, go to the G, and then 
almost keep walking in the Richmond direction and go along Swan Street. And go down Street. Swan Street, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is probably... <laughs> But 16 minutes from Flinders Sergey, yeah, well, to Google Maps, go. via William Barrack Bridge. 15 minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds if you're walking with me. However, <laughs> I'd like to know, what about the scenery? Because yeah. I, I just reckon the, the walk along the river, especially on a sunny day, it's pretty unbeatable. I mean, mm. Richmond, you, you probably don't quite get that. No, no. no. There's, um, there's a lot of rubbish bins along the way. Um, there's there is Brunson a nice Avenue. mural on Swan Street with a tiger and some young yeah. and black yeah, on it. Yeah, you but you're not, you're not getting that. Yeah, you're not passing through that. Because you're using the yeah. event. This is such yeah. Melbourne-centric talk. Mm, I'm so sorry if you don't live in Melbourne. But, yeah, there's, you use the events exit. Yeah. So you just get off and get across Brunton Avenue and up the hill. Um, mm. And I think the hill is also enough of a workout to, to walk out, you know, adrenaline. <laughs> We might be getting into PTV dictionary areas here, but why do they close the event exit oh, when events are on? It does my head in. I yeah. suspect it's so it's, annoying. I suspect it's all financial. <coughs> they need someone to man that. I don't know why. It must be in their regulations. They need someone to man that exit. Okay. Disappointing. It's, yeah. It is disappointing. Uh, Sad or less. It does make life a lot harder. It does. It does. Should it's, we move on to your, what is it now, your fourth and final love of football, Sarah? Fourth and final love. Um... Yeah, okay. Again, this is – all these are personal, which makes sense. But that's, a, that's goal, a goal on three-quarter time to cut the margin to 20 points in the men's, 10 points in the women's because okay. shorter quarters for the girls, obviously. Um, and I've termed this uh, it's not the despair, it's the hope goal. So, again, dating back to when I was sort of a Richmond supporter in like, you know, my – I don't know, when I was like 12 to 15, so we're talking like the – mid-2000s, late-2000s, um, and I'd be sitting on the couch watching the Tigers and they were not – this is Terry Wallace era, not great. And mum would walk through and I'd be – walk through the lounge room and I'd be like, oh, mum, Richard just kicked a goal, you know, it's 20 points, three-quarter time, yeah. you know. And, and she'd just sort of stop and look at me a little bit sadly. She's a Geelong <laughs> supporter and say, it's not the despair, it's the hope. <laughs> and it wasn't until later that I learned that the final part of that saying is it's the hope that kills you. Mm. Um, but it's, that's, what, that's what keeps the game alive. That's what makes you invested in the last quarter. Yeah. Anything can happen from that point. Keeps you from leaving if early. It, if it goes from 14 points to 20 points on the side, then that just kills you. It deflates off. you. It, it, it does. does. It does. Yeah. And it almost goes both ways because you get the hope goal, as you were saying, and then they come out of the three-quarter time huddle and you get – like an opening siren of the grand final roar again when the ball is bounced for the fourth quarter. So you get it's like a two pronged sword. You get mm. you get the roar of the goal and then you get an extra roar for the start of the fourth quarter. And then if you get if you, your team wins the first clearance, you almost get a third roar on top of that because it's like yeah. we're coming, yeah. we're coming, and everyone gets involved. This um, is the Carlton supporter in you coming out, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. we yes, it's very <laughs> <true>. <laughs> trailing in on the comeback. Yeah, and then they kick six goals to one in the last and just kind of yeah. kills it. But no, I do love that. I, I do love a bit of raw chat. And uh, we were talking last night again, Amish, about very long chat last the, night. <laughs> the goal. We went through a lot. The uh, what was it? The goal uh, in typically in the fourth quarter um, that. Uh, you've got all the momentum and then you kick a really, really big goal, maybe taking you down from 20 to 14 or three goals to two goals or something like that. And then there's the roar after the goal. Then there's a bit of a lull. It dies down a little bit. And then the ball is about to get thrown up or bounced again. And then there's another big roar that just builds throughout the whole stadium. And it's one of my favourite roars personally alongside the national anthem, post-national anthem roar. What other roars do we have that 
those are probably the <laughs> pinnacle, aren't they? Or final siren, final role, siren obviously. Role. Maybe yeah. final sit. siren when you don't know, like like when it's yeah. super tight. Mm. I used to be able to as everything opened up. I could when Collingwood were playing, and you know they had that incredible run. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Of, of, tell me about it. Of last Ooh. minute results. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yeah. speaking. I'm speaking to people who have um, experienced being there, done that. Oh. Um, but you could hear it. You could hear when Collingwood were on the rampage in the fourth quarter. Mm. There was something. Yeah. Extra. I don't want to say the special. Jungle drums are beating. <laughs> the oh, weren't they beating? <laughs> I do really like the jungle drums to get beaten as Richmond runs through yeah, the banner pre-game. Yeah, I like that. It's that grown on me. Yeah. I, at first, I thought it was a bit of a, it was a bit naff, a bit of a yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. You know, try and make this into a thing. But they've stuck with it for long enough that I've come full. I've come one eighty. I love it. But then another team tried to do it. I think I've got a feeling Melbourne's started. Drums. Yeah, I don't think it, maybe not Melbourne. The Ds have been really big on like um, songs that have the word hell in it. Yeah, Hell's Bowels is great. I love that as they're walking out. Um, I like Into the Jungle for Richmond because it's not too – doesn't kind of steal all your attention. It can kind of be played in the background and build it a bit. I'm not a fan of – massive fan of music. What about Welcome to the Jungle? That's that's what I said. Same song. I thought you were thinking (laughs) of that – Follow Um, Me. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. Into the the Jungle is what I'm talking about. Welcome to the Jungle is a bit – Intense nah. for a pre-game it, one. It is very yeah. intense. Yeah. As I said, I'm an anxious person, and yeah. yeah, you're already like, like you know, knees jiggling, yeah, and you get that rush. And for some people, that's great. And for me, I'm like, no, nah, this is going to push <laughs> me over the edge. I don't need this. And with Welcome to the Jungle, you can't really talk to the guy next to you about how this is the game where you're going to finally win because uh, it, it dominates. But Into the Jungle, on the other hand, you can kind of play in the background. It builds the tension, builds the excitement, but you can chat at the same time. That's true, but surely for at least for the last minute before they run out, you can sort of switch on and forget the conversation for a minute and then you can have that conversation after they've burst through the banner and the song's played, don't you think? Maybe like you could talk about it, time it like a radio commentator and talk about it That's in nice. the interlude yeah. between the, the two verses. I just thought of another good roar when yes. you, your team runs out for the start of a final. Like mm, normally, you know, yeah. a team runs yep. out, you're sort of like, yeah, yeah, you're here, great. But just the start of a fight. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. Hamish. Oh. I, I bet it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh, I'm sorry. I, your... I said that without thinking. <laughs> I'm so excited. I thought of something to add to the conversation. Just come here, whack, 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 whack to the both of us. Um, but is there a specific raw, a specific moment? Like, um, well, it can be under any of these categories, but a particular moment that springs to mind for you? Um, the... I always go back to the Kane Lambert goal in yeah. the 2019 prelim against GWS. Yeah. No, sorry, 2017 prelim yeah. against yeah. GWS. Um, the most parochial crowd of all time. Yeah, <laughs> it was absolutely wild. And it was completely unseasonable weather too. Mm. For some reason it was like 28 degrees mm. just out of the blue. So everything felt a little bit heightened because when we it weren't used to being hot. Like I went to the game in T-shirt and shorts. I'm like, what is this? Um and I didn't know what to expect going into a prelim. The last return prelim was 2001. I was eight years old, so did no memory of that whatsoever. Um, and, yeah, it was just I was sitting in the bottom tier of the MCG and it was actually genuinely, I swear on my life, it was shaking. Mm. The ground was shaking when he kicked that goal. It's actually, I sometimes don't realise, maybe I don't know about you, half of it, you don't realise how different it is sometimes level one compared to level four. Because mm. I tend to get, 
front row seats, level one. Yeah, just, where do you oh, like sitting? Oh. What What's the because people oh, have sorry, different. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> level four. Sorry, people did I say have... level one. <laughs> you did. I, sorry, <laughs> my, my bad. I meant front row seats. No, because some four. people love sitting at ground level, and some people love sitting at level four. You you level four? Um, it depends what the mood's like. I think. F- when you're up top, you get a nice perspective. You get a lot more of an idea of how the game's being played, and the when you side of yeah, and level one, you you're purely there for the atmosphere aspect. And yeah. um, for big games, I like to be level one if possible. And then if it's say, for instance, Carlton GWS at Eddie had, I like to well, Marvel. Sorry, um, I do like to be level three, and you just get a nice view of the zones and yeah. whatever have you. I think Harper. Yeah, I because I'm a member of S and I'm always level four at the G and always level one at Marvel, uh, home or away. That's just how our seats being allocated. But for for neutral games um, that I go to, I, personally, I think I prefer behind the goals, top level. Yeah, um, yeah, because the atmosphere tends to be. Quite, quite good there, and you get a good view. It's kind of best of both worlds. Yeah, I, I, I think I respect that. It's like the where we sat for the Carlton Melbourne game in round twenty-two. Very funny, mate. <laughs> um, oh, I did that match report. No, that, yeah. did you? <laughs> it's one of the loves that we had to cut for you because yeah. yeah, we had too many. But oh. finally, the match report that after a game gets decided oh. in the last thirty seconds. Yeah, the last thirty seconds of a real close match. You generally, well, people do it differently, but I will literally write what is happening. Like just, you know, in my own shorthand. So, you know. As it happens. As it happens. So, Gorn tap. Caps lock. Petraka, Petraka clearance, you know, Dodgers X, you know, that sort of thing. Like Cozzy really pick Cozzy, goal to yeah. send Carlton finals yeah. hopes. Um, someone spoil Cozzy goal. And so then I've got it there ready. I can translate it to, you know, yeah. Melbourne have won in a sudden death. Um, you know, Carlton have lost the opportunity to play finals. Cozzy Pickett was the hero, converting, blah, blah, blah. And then you go into the match report. But the amount of adrenaline that is going through your body is absolutely insane. And you, what, you love it. I do That's, love it. Yeah. What about, I do. Because you know how you... It's addictive. Adrenaline's addictive. That's why people go on roller coasters. <laughs> well, the match report always gets released and then you get the more to come. Yeah, the bottom. The more to come. Is, do you get the second surge of adrenaline when you release the second part of the match report or is so, it just the first... Uh, I'm going to let you into an editorial secret here that the first file that you see on afl.com.au isn't necessarily written by us, sometimes written by sub-editors. So they're holding pars. So it'll be four pars to say X is one in X circumstances, you know, blah, 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 was a hero with five goals. Is that only when it's a close game? Uh, I think so. It also depends on how quickly you file. File, yeah. Have you got a... Limit it has to be three minutes after the game, or is it kind of a window? Uh, it's it's not a hard limit. It's just ASAP. Yeah, ASAP. <laughs> what's the what's your quickest time? Do you do you set the stopwatch from the end of the siren to? Um. Well, if it's a if it's a blowout, then you can get it in in like a, a minute because yeah. you've also like I like to go back and go. Patrick Cripps had thirty two disposals and seven clearances. I bet he did. And there's no point <laughs> there's no point putting that number in until the match is finished because it's going to change. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, personally, oh, Hamish, have you done match reports before at all? In your, uh, oh, not really. No, no, not not in an official manner. Yeah. Have you, you can do it from home on the couch. There's nothing yeah. stopping. This is very true. No, I used to do a couple for school and whatnot. But yeah, not I, don't, really. I don't like it personally. Too stressful. 
Too what? Too stressful. You reckon? Too stressful. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's, you just want to focus on the game. I, I think the the point of match reports, well, they're, they're almost pointless these days because mo- I feel like most people who read them have already watched the game and they're reading them only to nitpick and have a go at the writer and say, oh, piss off, this bloke wasn't in the best, yeah. this isn't what happened. Yeah, the best. <laughs> the best. The best will ever, forever haunt me. I think also you can fall into the trap. You guys are obviously huge footy fans. Not everyone follows footy as closely. But the people yeah. who so don't there's casual, follow... So there's casual supporters. Do they read the match reports though? Yeah. Right. I, uh, yeah, okay. I still do when I haven't watched it. Matches are like it. some yeah. of our best performing f- mm, articles. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I thought people would mostly watch the highlights these days. You just wait for the paper to come out on a Sunday morning and <laughs> because <laughs> well, I suppose if you if you're out and about, what are you going to do? Are you going to watch highlights or are you going to quickly scan a match report? True. That's a good point. This also isn't me trying to keep my job to have some sort of validation. Yeah, match reports. How good are they? Cringe media is still valid. I swear. Everyone read them. (laughs) What? Yeah, uh, I'm really disappointed. The five talking points are now a relic of the past on AFL media. They were one of my favourite things. They were my debut. Five talking points. Yeah, that's how I got my. So I was an intern. Um, and then they said, we need someone helping out in five talking points um, for Queensland games. So I'd be doing them from Melbourne in mm. the office. Did you get a and game Michael, rate shower Michael after Michael Whiting would be, no. <laughs> no. Jumper presentation. <laughs> Pen presentation. <laughs> right. I, think, I think actually I brought myself a really pretty dress to be like, you've made it. Well done, Sarah. <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Whiting would be doing the match report up in Queensland and I'd do the five talking points. Okay. Mm. But just... Budget constraints that yeah. don't allow for it. Personnel. Personnel. Well, if they're ever looking for people, then <laughs> hello. <laughs> yeah, hello. Sign us up. We did bring them back for finals this men's season, mm. just gone. Yeah. So I think I did three Dylan lots McLaughlin, of talking points. <laughs> if you're listening, I know you're leaving, but there's two blokes out in Coburg that are really keen. <laughs> <laughs> talking points. Yes. Yeah. Final hate time. Do you reckon names? Final yes, eight. I think it's final. probably about that time. Final, final right. items on the agenda, final Sarah. Item. Let me bring what it you, up. What have you got for us? I hate to end it on a sour note. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. That's the way the cookie crumbles in this particular episode. What have you got? That's the way it goes. Um, the annual state of the game chat in June. You can set your watch to it. Now. Or your phone. Whatever in your you mind, do. what are the uh, kind of identifiers that a state of the game chat is about to come onto the media scene. Yeah, there's warning signs. Um, I, I feel like the season is, in terms of media coverage, I'm speaking generally here, um, well, it's, it's also radio coverage. A lot of it, I think, is driven by radio. Um, you know, gee, everything's amazing. We've got high-scoring footy, free-flowing footy. There's the latest rule changes done it again. That's a honeymoon period of about a month to six weeks. Yeah. Um, then, you know, we start a little bit of pressure on the coaches and the like. June? Buy rounds. Uh, not as many games to talk not about. Not as many games to talk about, no. Yeah, a bit of a lull. Yeah. The kind of drama. Winter in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, dreary. Dreary. People get grumpy. People get very grumpy over lockdown and COVID and, you know, and all that in the last couple of years in particular. State of the game during lockdown. Mm. State of the game chat was in an all-time high, yeah. in my opinion. Can't be a coincidence. Yes. Maybe there's a correlation there. You're probably right. And then the sun starts poking through in about... Well, August can still be pretty – no, no, August becomes, yeah, that that's sort of when it becomes the finals race. Um, mm. And for teams who aren't making finals, then it's 
coaches and you know players and and trade starts to trade creep in in August as well but but for that period of June July um state of the game it's it does my head in because it's the same talking points every single year nothing ever changes just want to take a step to the side for one second we'll circle back to your point in a moment but a frequent topic of debate on this particular podcast has been the pointy end of the season Sarah when does the pointy end of the season begin for you, because it, it must be after the state of the game chat. Yeah, right? so men's season, the last four rounds. Last four rounds at the point I reckon. Okay. Mm. Um, so round, well, it depends how many rounds we have, but you know, yeah, last last month and the mm. women's for a ten round season, the last two or three weeks. Yep. Hamish, your thoughts. I think I've already given my thoughts on this enough times, but we'd probably better not delve into it. We'll get Two episodes of the back. We'll get, yeah, we'll get way off topic if we do. I just sorry. That's where you, that's where you give a plug to the. So if you miss that and you're interested yeah. in my chat about you know set about when pointy end, go back to episode five. And oh, the pointy end was covered in points in episodes one, one two, three, six, probably yeah, four, five, six. perfect. For about perfect. Fifteen minutes. So well, yeah, another pointy end one was uh, Damien Barrett, I believe, on the Sunday Footy Show. Um, this was uh, during finals and he called, referred to the kind of higher echelons of the ladder positions, one, two, three, four, whatever, as the pointy end of the ladder. Are you having that? The pointy end of the ladder are the higher positions. Um, I'm having that because there is only so many phrases you can use when you're writing and you start to go a little bit stir crazy. When you've been covering the game as long as Damo has... (laughs) I also, look, the fact I sit next to him in the office has nothing to do with this. Um, No, but, yeah, I think it's all right. Although I understand from a linguistical point of view, is there a pointy end of the ladder? Well, it's it's probably the the little, the top of the, not the top rung, the, I'm doing this in the air, you can't see, pod (laughs) listening, but, you know, the the top, literally the top of the ladder. Yeah. The points of the ladder. Points of the oh, so it's Maybe not so, so much so when the you horizontal the, rung. It's not the rung; it's the, the vertical. vertical. It's the yeah. vertical points. Yeah, are Maybe. they pointy or are they Maybe rounded? The, yeah, it depends on the quality of the ladder. Yeah, <laughs> or are they? Yeah, just like flat. Mm. I'm just picturing an AFL ladder that you slap on a fridge with the magnets. Yeah, there's no point to that. It's a square. But. I yeah, think it also depends on the, the the split of the teams. If you have two teams that are by far and away the best in the competition. Then you're ending into like a pyramid a sort of area. Yeah. So you've got Melbourne mm. and Geelong up the top, and then you've got a group of teams from three to six, and then you've got a big, bigger band, and yeah, then it becomes more of a pyramid. Yeah, that's probably true. There's a few more rungs. Um, just back to your, you mentioned the uh, <laughs> the rose-coloured glasses, I should say, about the state of the game chat. Um, it's funny you say that because I've got a list on my phone titled Nuffy Things That Do My Head In. <laughs> and coming in at number five is when people say that footy was better slash tougher slash more skillful back in my day. And I want to know from you, Sarah, whether you actually believe that with the state of the game chat. Is this something that you buy into every now and then? Do you think maybe the game could be better or was better in the game back in the day? Or are you avid that... It's in a great state right now. Uh, I think back in my day, chat also has people don't realise how much of being in their 20s adds to the mix. Oh, yes. So, you know, footy was better in my days generally ends up being when I was 22 and I had no responsibilities and I could go sit at the footy all day and drink with my mates. Even when you were eight and collecting the footy cards and absolutely footy obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. When you start 
In terms of back in my day, my day, like I'm 29, so my day, I don't know what you want to call it, the late 2000s when I was a kid in yeah, terms of, yeah, that's sort yeah. of like, you know, when I was about 13, 14, 15, um, Sydney Swans were the dominant, Sydney you know, West in Coast. sort of 2006, yeah. 2005, yeah, I was 12 then, so that was pretty dour footy. Mm, I, yeah, I, I'd would argue that wasn't great. Terry Very Wallace, you know, that the one game that does stick in my mind is Richmond beating Adelaide through keepings off when Adelaide were absolutely unstoppable in about 2008, I think it was. And that was, yeah, keepings off. That was boring. It was great because we wouldn't, we'd never win in that sort of circumstance otherwise. But um, Just drab footy. Well, I, I'd argue sort of coming in off the long run up here, but I, it does annoy me when people say that such and such footy in the 90s was tougher and more skillful. I so, have no memory of it. So. Well, no, that's very true, but you you watch it back. Obviously, you know, the laws are a little less strict as they are now. You yeah. can probably get away with bigger hits, but was it really that tougher? Like They, they weren't running as far. You've got to keep mm. that into account. It wasn't as athletic. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. were more stay-at-home. Obviously, they were, they were, probably 90s it was more starting to get into a yeah. very running friendly 70s, game. 70s, 80s, yeah. You know, the yeah. plumbers and the electricians. Yeah, so probably forgotten about Robert Harvey there but yeah. um, <laughs> and Shane Crawford. And you sort of turn around as then it becomes what is the definition of tough. Yeah, and, exactly. And I feel for, for my generation, for your generation, that's changing. And, you know, is it tough to punch someone from behind? God, no. Exactly right. No, I couldn't agree more because people are, you know, they they see the the flying elbows and the the coward punches and stuff and they say oh well that's how it was it's tougher but was yeah. it really were they actually going harder at the ball or yeah he were they... got up and played yeah great yeah. You, do we know we know how serious concussion is now that's not a good thing not not a, not a very good thing half I'd like to know your yeah thoughts on yeah this. I, I agree with you really but I was gonna <laughs> ask Sarah what were the big kind of cultural markers in footy for during your childhood, were you a collector of footy cards or a player of Auskick or Sl- slightly less dow chat than what I was just <laughs> drifting off into? Yeah. Sorry, shit chat. No, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so I was, as I said, a netball. That was that was okay. what I grew up playing. Um, yeah. So you didn't play footy, but you watched. Didn't it. play footy. I watched it. Footy okay. when I was a kid that looked too much like what the boys did. It was too rough for me. Like this wasn't my parents. This is mm. me. I thought it was too rough, too muddy also. Mud was a real big thing when I was in primary school. I'm like, "Mm, don't want to do that. Um, So for me it was watching on TV with Dad or listening to it on the radio when the games were on Foxtel. Um, Favourite commentators from the era? Have you got any? Not really. No? Okay. Was more more so the players. Was players, my, okay. And, I, and I, would players? Read, I would read about it in the paper the next day. I was a big <laughs> – I'd track the um, – I'd see the stats. They used to publish, like, who had the most disposals overall in the competition and who had the most handballs okay. and the most kicks because this was before iPhones where you could just yep. look it up. Yep, yep. Um, so for me, my sort of childhood, obviously Richo um, – I loved Chris Richo, Newman. Richo, as in Richard Tambling? Yeah, yeah of course. So. Of course, Richard Tambling. No, Matthew Richardson. He followed me on Twitter recently and I was oh. just like, oh. oh, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing That's ever. I messaged like five different heart. people at once. Like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, so Richo. Part of Richo, if he's listening. <laughs> You're welcome to come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joel Bowden. Um, love Joel Bowden. Joel Bowden. Yeah, a bit before your guys. Oh, this like make that. me feel old. <laughs> Chris Newman. Um, Can I hit you with a niche Richmond yeah. player who didn't play many games for Richmond? Sam Lonigan. 
Sam Lonergan. God, yeah, former wrestling player. Former wrestling player. How, how many games did you reckon he played it's for Richmond? It's early Damien Hardwick era, isn't I rec- it? Yeah, they I reckon he played low teams games for Richmond. A few yeah. of those sort of recycled players as they mm. were trying to turn over the list. And, Basha and Hawley to- was an Essendon reject. Yeah. He certainly was. Yeah. Yeah. I've still <laughs> got a badge of Basha Hawley, Essendon, <laughs> number 43, I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any recollection of the 2013 elimination final? <laughs> Just had to get one back. I, uh, not really, because yeah. I was very nerdy of me playing in a high school musical orchestra, um, what and we had trombone. Trombone again, okay. very cool. Good very for the grand cool final game. parade. Yes, down the and yeah. good for the future song of the Tasmanian Football Club too. I would add. We need some more brass mm-hmm. and trombone yeah. instruments in there, so maybe. Oh yeah, could, just mm. like just get Cat Empire to do it again. The yes. GWS oh. song, honestly. Oh, oh yes. Only only footy songs to be written in a minor key, and it shows. Mm. Yeah. Um, again, we're getting into real niche music no, territory I, here. I like that a lot. But yeah, yeah, so it was a like a dress rehearsal or something for the musical. Um, Oliver. And um, the guy in front of me is playing keyboard as Carlton fan. So he had the, his phone, again, early days of streaming. We're talking 2013. And his phone up on his music stand. Um, and he'd turn around every so often and give me updates, fake updates, which I really appreciated. So thanks, Sean, if you're listening. He's now a journalist with the SBS. Thanks, Sean Wells. I will out you. Um, and, yeah, he'd say, Chris Newman's broken his leg or something and I'd just have a heart attack. Yeah, so no memories. Yeah, Is there a part of you that wanted to skip the musical at all? Like, were you split, torn between what to do that day? Yes, but I also had never was experienced that- a final, so yeah, I that was, was your first final slightly terrified. Like, yeah, so before, so 2013 was Richmond's first final um, since the 2001 prelim loss to Brisbane. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that entire period of my childhood from Nothing. eight to... 20. Yeah. Yep. It's all right. No you couldn't bit, find two bit, more understanding blokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, Harper, if we want to job in the, in the oh, footy. Media my mum's a Geelong fan. Like, I, there was a lot of times I was like, why did I make this call? Oh, it's depressing. So you made the call to go to Richmond? Sort of. Interesting. I'm more like my dad. So your dad was a Richmond fan? My dad's a Richmond fan, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so he'd, right. like, we got on videotape. He'd go, you know, so I was a little three-year-old. What do we say, Sis? Go Tigers! Like, you know, brainwashing. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. that's perfectly that's acceptable. That's yeah. acceptable for, for, for Not for many things, but for footy. I'm <laughs> totally on board. 100%. Maybe uh, I'm just thinking if we want a gig in the football media world, we need to start our own musical. And then maybe that might open some doors because... It's opened some doors for you. It's opened some doors for Sean Wells. Sean Wales. No, no, Sean no. Wales. He's at SBS, so right. not, not quite footy. No, no. wow. But journalism. Still journalists. Some journalists. It's opening sure. some doors, mate. Yeah. We need to start a musical. Yeah. yeah. Footy-based musical. <laughs> exactly. I'd absolutely get behind that. <laughs> Got anything else, Amish? I do not. No. Got anything else, Sarah? No, no. Thanks for the chat. I appreciate it. Oh, this, um, yeah. When you reached out, I was like, this is a good idea for a pod. It's so niche. I love it. <laughs> Well, I will say, we have said it on the show before, but it is almost a direct copy of football cliches about <laughs> soccer. Uh, but that show's great. If you are into your soccer, check that out. But keep listening <laughs> to the Footy Dictionary, the big episode 10. Next week yeah. we'll be running through the bradder and we'll get cheered off by uh, our parents, uh, possibly. And but, don't sue us, please. Football cliches, if you're listening, which, which they are. So it's all good. to sue us for, I don't but. think. Our budget isn't massive. Um, but, yeah, that, I think we'll see you next week. Huge episode lined up. Sarah, thank you very much. 
No worries. Thank you. Enjoy the chat. Yeah. Hamish, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And thanks, thanks, Sarah. It's been good. Catch you next week, guys.